Hello and welcome to Two Tacos High, a handbell podcast. My name is Brian Seaman. And I'm Nick Hansen. Hello. So uh, here we are. We, uh, we've got a podcast going. So what are we going to do on this handbell podcast? Well, we're going to talk about all things handbells. We're going to review some handbell events, maybe do some publication previews for new handbell pieces that are in print. We'll have a few interviews and guests, maybe some other surprises. I don't know. We're still figuring this out. Certainly are. And uh, regarding today, though, like kind of what's this all about? So uh, talk about who we are, Brian and myself, a bit more on really why a handbell podcast and what's to come in uh, the next couple episodes on the horizon. So first up, who are we and why are we talking to you about handbells? It's a great question. Um, I think to be blunt about it, we're, we're just huge handbell nerds. We are definitely a little bit of handbell nerds. We're sitting in between my personal set of bells and a Don Allured vinyl LP of his Wesleyan Bell Choir from 1975. I think that qualifies as handbell nerd. Yeah, that sums it up pretty well. And if my, my set's at home. Um, <laughs> it's currently stored, but it's... it Well, my, plus the, uh, the, the Whitechapel set that I have, which I know your set expands beyond just a five-octave Schulmerich set yourself. Yeah, I've got a bunch of toys. I've got the Schumerk set. I've got a set of Pettit and Fritzens. I've got a set of the original Schumerk Silver Melody Bells from the late 80s, early 90s. And I've also got an old set of White Chapels. They're currently not in playable condition, but um, about a 100-year-old set of White Chapels. Dang, that's pretty awesome. When did you start bells? I guess, what what grade did you start bells? I started handbells in third grade. Oh, Both. same. Oh, awesome. Both of my parents were ringing in a church handbell choir, and I got dragged to all the rehearsals, but went up to the handbell director and said, hey, wait a minute, why do the adults get to have all the fun here? Can we start a kids program as well? And she said, well, if you find enough children who are interested in starting a children's handbell ensemble, that she would direct it. And so I have been forming handbell ensembles since third grade. I should clarify, though, did you start bells or start chimes? I started, that's a great question. I think, I think we did start with bells. Okay, I was actually a chime person. Yeah, and definitely a different story, I guess, origin story for me here. Um, we had a director move in to our home church. Uh, I grew up in Iowa and small town, small church. She did bells where she came from. And when she joined this church, she's like, we got to start a bell choir. And she did that. That was probably when I was around first grade. And my older brother, uh, I've got two older ones with so the middle brother. He, he joined the group when it began. And as a younger uh, brother to him watching him do it like that's what I want to do and third grade is when it officially started for me though it was on chimes it chimes for two years before starting bells in fifth grade and you've been playing handbells ever since uh, yes I'm trying to I, I was I hesitated there because I wondered if I was actually in a bell if I have been in a bell ensemble every year since my third grade year and honestly I think there's maybe one or two years since and I've not been in a handball ensemble or leading one uh, since third grade. I think I'm about the same. I think I've either been ringing in or directing either a church or a community ensemble ever since third grade as well. That's wild. Like when I when I kind of put that you know put the, those those glasses on and look backwards. That's pretty fascinating because uh, we did have bells all the way through high school at my church, and I kept going in in college from that point on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like I can't look back on my life and, and not find handbells until before third grade. <laughs> That's how it's been. So I've also been ringing since I've been third grade, but I've worked in several other areas of handbells. While I was in college in Philadelphia, I actually started a summer job working for Schulmerich, assembling the yoke assemblies, the mm. clapper assemblies on mm -hmm. the inside of the bell. 
And that actually turned into a full-time job working at Shulmerich for a few years after college. I never got that involved. <laughs> uh, the closest I could say, high school, I did work at my hometown music store. We were de- we were the kind of location for all like the band rentals and that sort of thing. Uh, and I did I did that for three years in my while in high school. Uh, a lot of organizing, stacking, cleaning. I cleaned a lot of brass instruments growing up, but never never with the hands on with the bells like you had. But besides bells, though, um, during like you know middle school, high school, that sort of thing was was it just bells or did, were you also involved in other ways musically? I've been in band ever since that started in about third or fourth grade and stayed involved. I started out playing saxophone because that was what my dad had played in high school. But I knew that I also wanted to march in a drum and bugle corps, which is something that I grew up watching. And in order to do that, I had to learn a brass instrument. So I switched to brass when I got to high school and played French horn, uh, which has been sort of the primary non-bell instrument ever since then. I was also a horn player. We uh, started in fifth grade, though. Little backstory there. Uh, this goes kind of deep into the, not too deep into the, the, the Nick Hansen history, but like I mentioned with the older brothers, I grew up watching them being very musically involved. Oldest brother played saxophone, middle brother played tuba. I always wanted to play percussion. Like that was my, my dream. Like I would go to the, 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 the band concerts and I'd watch, but I'd just be fascinated watching all the percussion and everything. And my parents would say, well, if you want to be percussionist, you got to be a good piano player. I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. I have no clue, but that's what they told me. So I was doing piano forever, started in kindergarten and got to fifth grade, which is where we began instrumental music at my school. And the the band teachers, let, you know, we had like the show and tell day. They said, what do, you, what do you like? And I like wrote down everything because I loved everything. But I remember distinctly, it was like a three by five note card. And I wrote, the only one I wrote in all cap letters was drums. Like that was what I wrote. And I got French horn. <laughs> so I was also a horn player. Um, but it was it was a funny uh, situation because we had a we had an experience in high school or excuse me in sixth grade, the sixth grade band always played Wipeout. That was just something they always did. They played Wipeout, and whoever was the most capable percussionist got to play the drum set for that song. None of the percussionists could play the drum set for that song, but for some reason I could play drum set. I had no lessons. I had the coordination, I guess, but I was able to do that, which is kind of a cool lifelong dream as a sixth grader. But that was pretty much the last time I was a percussionist until nowadays, I guess, being more full-time handball person. Um, but just one of those moments that kind of sticks with you. It's kind of an interesting spot of my history. <laughs> so regarding horn with you, though, uh, you mentioned Drum and Bugle Corps, which I know you, you were involved in that after high school. Um, but French horns don't march. So what kind of drew you to, I mean, not the instrument specifically. I know mellophone marches, but... Um, was what was it about French horn that that drew you to it? So mellophone actually was the connection there. I had started playing mellophone in my high school marching band because I knew I wanted to march drum and bugle corps and knew I needed to play an instrument. And in my freshman year, I had been playing alto sax in the marching band, and the mellophone often doubled the same lines. So it was a part that I was sort of familiar with. Um, it seemed like a fun instrument, and so that was what I ended up picking up for marching band in my sophomore year. And about halfway through that marching season, the band director came up and said that he really needed a French horn for wind symphony. And would I be interested in learning that instrument as well and playing that in wind symphony? And I actually bargained with him because I was excited to to pick up a brass instrument and, and learn it, but I didn't want to quite give up saxophone yet. So I said, yes, I will play French horn and wind symphony, but only if I can also play, continue to play Barry sax and jazz band. And nice. so he agreed. Uh, and that started off French horn, which has been my primary instrument pretty much ever since. 
Did you have jazz band throughout high school? I had jazz band throughout high school. Yeah, we did too. That was that's probably one of the best memories of, of high school for me. Was uh, I played piano and jazz. I wasn't great at it. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I loved it though. But we uh, probably one of the best memories of jazz band was we played a piece called I think this was my senior year, uh, "Greetings and Salutations" by Thad Jones that had a four part horn part. Ooh. So we had the full big band set up: trumpets, bones, saxes. And one of the trumpeters was also a really good piano player. So he went to piano and there were four horn players in the band at the time that we all did the, the horn part for that piece. Best, one of the best memories of high school I had. It was such a great, great tune. So after high school, you chose to actually go to college for handbells, correct? Yes, that, that is exactly right. And, and we're at that time of year now where like when we're recording this, that there's a lot of students getting that ready for that next step. Um, it's a, it's really easy to, to, to remember that from, uh, to age myself, it'd be the late nineties. Um, at that time I was on the old handbell L message board or listserv. Sorry. That was the listserv, the message board I was not on where it started. Um, but I was on the, the listserv and either through that listserv, either, either hearing some, some rumblings about it or me posting about it as a high schooler. I don't quite remember, but I, I did learn about Concordia university, Irvine out in California and, through honestly this is where we can make a great kind of connection on how handbells just works not just in a moment right but it, it it's a it's a timeline it's a sequence and it was my junior year or right before my junior year in high school nancy jessup who was a retired professor from concordia she was one of the teachers at, at an area eight event which is again being in iowa i grew up at hma area eight and I went there, did the workshop with her, and, and we just hit it off right away. She's like, you got to come check out the school, uh, see what we can do, you know, make the trip, we'll let, let's get this going. And that fall, um, I did. My dad and I flew out there. Um, the, the, the college actually had a great preview day, is what they called it. It's a, go and kind of live the life of the, the college student for a day, spend the night in a dorm with some, some freshmen. And it was a great experience because I was able to um, meet her in her kind of in her, in her zone, kind of what she did. Uh, also meet Dr. Herb Geisler, who was my main kind of bell director uh, while I was there. Did auditions as well. I did uh, meet the uh, the choral conductor, uh, choral director, uh, teacher, Dr. Michael Bush, and really just got a great sense of what was to be my next step, which was great. So did the did the preview day. I did ring with their group, concert handbells during rehearsal that day. Just got to experience what it was all about, and just just kind of just loved it. But to be more, I uh, guess, detailed about it, like. That was the only school I applied to. When I found out that they were the only school in the country that you could do an undergrad and major in handbells with performance, I'm like, I'm gonna, this is it. I'm going to go for it. And, and, I, and I did. I was the only school I went for, got in, and went from Iowa all the way out to California for those next four years. Uh, just enjoying the, I'll be honest, enjoying the weather, enjoying the lifestyle. But it was a great campus, a great program. And to this day, it's still going on. So little plug, go go check that out, high schoolers. Go see what they got. So what about you, Brian? Was um, my, I, I, like my college years were pretty much in depth, like uh, bells everywhere, let's major, let's uh, recitals, all this sort of thing. Um, I know you did drum bugle chords, you kind of mentioned a little bit briefly, but were you also ringing bells at that time too? I was ringing bells um, throughout college. It was, bells were consistent, but it was more of a hobby and as you said, band and, and marching specifically were my focus at that time. And so I spent four summers in my college time marching uh, drum and bugle corps. I marched with Jersey Surf and then the Boston Crusaders. And those took up 
most of the almost all of the summer and and several weekends throughout the rest of the year. So my primary focus at that time was was marching and marching arts. But I did stay involved in handbells. I rang with the Jubilation Ringers up in Allentown, Pennsylvania for a few years and also joined the Philadelphia Handball Ensemble while I was in Philly for school. And it was right at the end of my time in college when the director of Philadelphia Handball Ensemble uh, stepped down from directing and they were looking for a new director. And I approached the board at the time and I was like, well, this would be something that I'd be interested in doing in a few years. I'd, I'd love to direct a community ensemble, um, not right now, but, but something I'd be interested in in the future. And they went, are you sure you don't want to direct right now? And so talked me into, and that was ended up being my first time directing a community handball ensemble, which is also something I've been doing ever since. How many years were you with PHE? I rang with them for about three years and directed for five, five years, I think. I actually started directing them while I was living in Philly, and I moved up to Boston, but continued to direct the Philadelphia Handball Ensemble, and that became twice a month flights back down to Philly uh, for our rehearsal weekends, which is also something I've been doing. I've definitely traveled for bells, both conducting and ringing many times. I was about to say, this is that, that's nothing new, because um, I think when I first started knowing you, that's when you were transitioning into ringing with Sonos, and that involved a commute as well. Yeah, I had been directing for a while at the time, but wanted to get back into ringing and wanted to get into ringing at a level that continued to really push me as a ringer. And the best ensemble in the country, in my opinion, at the time to do that was Sonos. And so I auditioned for Sonos and then ended up flying across the country um, on, a, on a regular basis for Sonos rehearsals. Is that once a month, once a month twice a month, how roughly? Sonos schedules their rehearsals around their performance opportunities. And so getting closer to the performance, it's about twice a month that we ended up, uh, I ended up flying out to California for the weekend. And by weekend, you literally mean like the rehearsal was the weekend, right? The rehearsal was the weekend. It was a longer block on Saturday, about six hours of rehearsal on Saturday, and then another four or five hours of rehearsal on Sunday. That's awesome. Sonos does have a history of members who do fly in from other areas other than the Bay Area. So they structure the rehearsals around being able to make that possible for those ringers to participate. And it obviously works. I mean, when I saw you all perform, uh, was, which which seminar was that one? Remind me. It was in Phoenix. Phoenix. Two years ago. Uh, it's just absolutely mind-blowing how, how well it was performed, executed. And I think the biggest thing that caught me, though, it sounds stupid for me to say it this way, but like obviously the music was amazing. But the, the connectivity with everyone, like you were an ensemble, which was just amazing to watch and experience it was really cool and that was actually a little bit of a challenge that season because we had started that season coming out of covid and we actually started that whole season on zoom rehearsals which were right. a big challenge especially with the way sonos rehearses and assigns to not have those connections with the ringers around you but to just be rehearsing on your own table in your own room across the country and then by the time we finally got together in person for the first time there was only about two and a half months worth of in-person rehearsals before we went on wow. tour for that Phoenix concert. That's pretty awesome and mind-blowing too, but it's, it, it shows the musicality. It shows that just to, to a huge degree of, of, of trust and connection with you all and, and uh, James Meredith just with him guiding everything. That's, that's extraordinary. It's so cool. So besides the hobby, I can't really say that the ring is the hobby and the directing can kind of fall under hobby, but it's also, you know, it's, 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 it's a quote unquote job too. Um, but it's not your main job, right? Correct. My full-time job now is director of handbell ensembles at the Landon school. And I 
teach currently this year 96 students in 6th through 12th grade. How many ensembles is that? So that's, uh, it's five ensembles. Each 6th, 7th, and 8th grade are their own individual ensemble. And then in my high school, I've got one general high school ensemble and then one auditioned advanced level high school ensemble. And I also know that you do something fairly similar. I do, yeah. Um, even even a, It's a rival school, we're being honest. It's a private school where I'm at, Potomac School, which is in Virginia, because Landon's in uh, Maryland, right? Correct. Yeah, so we're in we're in Northern Virginia, just outside of D.C., on our side of the river, the Potomac, Potomac River. And this program, I have fifth grade through high school, five, uh, five ensembles also. So fifth grade is by itself, sixth grade is by itself. Uh, we combine our seventh and eighth grade classes, which that is that's that's a whole episode on its own. And then the high school has two groups, um, which I'm really proud of because the we finally have an honors group that's now in its I think fourth year, um, and it's been needed for a while to, to kind of have that the, the, those students who are like this I love doing this I want to do as much as I can in high school, and they have the skills and the the chops to do it. So um, that's that's a blast to uh, to be leading the, that honors group. Uh, yeah, in fact, this is kind of a an opportune time to mention. So both of our schools, Landon and myself, or Potomac, um, we are two of a number of private schools in the DC area that have actually done a festival for a number of years, over 20 years, in fact. Um, I know my predecessor was involved, I think, starting that off. I think Brian's was as well. But the WISH Festival, that's an acronym for Washington Independent Schools Handbell Festival. And I, my, if memory serves, I'd have to go back through all the archives and, and research this a bit more. But I want to say from its initiation, its start to now, there's probably been almost 10 or 11 different schools involved. I know well before my time and, and yours, Brian, before we were in our current positions, um, there were definitely schools involved that are not anymore, that either they just don't have programs or maybe even don't have sets. I'm not too sure. But we can hopefully one day try to get a lot of that back. But we likely will have a uh, episode coming up soon with Tim Waugh, who is our clinician this year. Yeah, the Wish Festival is something we really look forward to every year participating in. Uh, there's about 200 high school and middle school handbell students ringing together in one gym. So it's really awesome to see what is basically the future of this instrument participating in a festival like that. Especially under guest conductors, because I mean, you and I, we experience, and I'm sure many of you out there like it, your students or even your own adult ringers will potentially only listen to you so far. <laughs> But as soon as someone brand new is like, do it this way, and like, oh, it's amazing. But it, you've been saying it for years, right? So uh, to bring in someone like Tim Waugh, and in the past we've had a number of wonderful clinicians um, at this event, um, just really brings, brings that experience to the, to the students and lets them learn from someone new, new ideas, quote unquote, new ideas, but a way for them as they get like, yeah, I remember that from back when I was in, in eighth grade. I, I rang bells under someone really well-known in, in, in the bell world. So great experience for the students um, to be under the baton. And yes, as Brian said, ringing together to make that great music. So that's a little bit about us and our handbell nerddom. Mm -hmm. But why are we doing this? Why a handbell podcast? Well, I think it's it's been a while. I mean, the research I've looked at, and, and I've not done huge extensive research. I just, the one I really knew about was uh, the quote unquote, the handbell podcast, which I think ended almost literally 10 years ago like almost today, like definitely this month, I think it was March of 2013 was when the final episode was uploaded. That was, uh, that was when Paul Weller and Dean Jensen were doing it. And I was of the age where I didn't listen to it. I wasn't into podcasts at that time. Um, and I want to go back now and like find all those audio files and just listen to them and, and, and reconnect to those. But I feel like 
it's a great way, rather it's a great resource now besides, well, not besides, but through, through the internet, through connection of, uh, social media and everything else, like just to be relevant in a way and be on topic with things happening now and connecting with everyone out there. Yeah. I think some of this is that we love talking about handbells and handbell events and handbell new pieces that are coming out in print and just in general handbell gossip. So we thought it would be fun to put this in podcast form and bring it to all of you as well. Yeah, exactly. It's it's it gives us the opportunity to have conversations about what's happening now, whether it's maybe groups on tour, certain concerts that people are putting out around the country, repertoire as it comes out throughout the year from the various publishers, um, national seminar, uh, distinctly bronze, all the events that go on around the country, around the world, uh, we can really connect to and and just dive in a bit more deeply to and and enjoy. Um, but just in a in a great fun conversational way and. Maybe a little silliness to throw in. Why not? And every now and then, hey, some surprises, guests, interviews, whatever gets uh, gets thrown our way. We want to bring that along. So that brings us to like, what's what's coming up? What's what's on the next uh, few episodes? Well, we mentioned the the name of this podcast to Tacos High, a handbell podcast, and most of you out there probably know what you think is the origin of that, but it may go a little bit uh, a little bit deeper than than you realize. So. Uh, we, we hope to have a, a guest interview to discuss that a bit further. And we mentioned Tim Waugh. We want to talk about him with uh, the, the school festival coming up. So those are likely the next couple coming up if we get them, get everything scheduled in an interview. But that's where things are pointing right now. We've got a great tentative list of topics and guests that we've got planned for upcoming episodes. But we'd also like to hear from you if there are any topics that you'd like to hear from us. If so, there are several ways that you can reach out to us. Right now, probably the best is through our email, tacoshigh at gmail.com. And that is all spelled out, T-W-O-T-A-C-O-S-H-I-G-H at gmail.com. And also, by the way, you can just send us pictures if you're eating tacos. That's just awesome. Um, other ways you can reach out, we are on Facebook at 2TacosHigh. Just search for us there. And Twitter at 2TacosHigh. All of those are spelled out, T-W-O, not the number. So 2TacosHigh at gmail.com. Two Tacos High on Facebook and Twitter at Two Tacos High. We hope to have you join us for future episodes. Our plan is to release every other Tuesday. Of course, Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. And that will do it for today's episode. We're so glad you joined us for our first one. Look forward to seeing you in the future, or I guess hearing us in the future is the better way to say that. I'm Nick Hansen. And I'm Brian Seaman. This has been Two Tacos High, a handbill podcast. Bye, everyone.